welcome to the Independent Thinking Show for Fifth Wrist Radio. This is a place dedicated to showcasing the great people doing interesting things in the world of horology. My name is Roman, and today I'm joined by my favorite citizen of Frankfurt, the human dynamo himself, Klaus, <laughs> a.k.a. Tapir FFM on Instagram. Hello, Klaus. It's always delightful to see you. How are you doing? I'm feeling fine. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm really excited to be on the show again. I'm thrilled to learn a little bit more about the iconic independent brand Fortis. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, no, very much you and me both. And we were just chatting off mic before we started with our guest that Fortis is one of those brands that I used. To, I got into horology a long time ago, as we discovered by the catalog I had in my collection that I showed the, uh, our guest. And Fortis was always a brand I really respected. There was a lot of interesting stuff. And I followed them for a long time. And then I stopped thinking about them. And I suspect there's probably a bunch of people who had similar thoughts. But there's been some really exciting changes in Fortis since about 2018 or so. So I'm really looking forward to reconnecting. And our guest today, a very special guest, and thank you for setting it up. We've got Mr. Jupp Philip, owner and CEO of Fortis Watches. It's an independent watch brand based in Grenton, Switzerland. Hello, Jupp. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you and thanks for the invitation. It's always fun for me to have some nice talks to, to watch enthusiasts. Oh, no, that's up. We don't know if it's going to go nice or not yet. We're happy to have a talk. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. But no, look, thank you so much. It's been, as I said, I've just come back from holidays. I was on vacation and I've been reminiscing. This has been a really nice trip down memory lane. So I'm awash with nostalgia as we say. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Look, usually before we kick off, we have a very loose structure. So we tend to start with a wrist check and a drink check and a location check for everyone. And then we'll kick on into gear. So maybe as our special guest of honor, maybe we'll start with you, Jup. So to tell us what's of on course. the wrist, what's in a cup and where, you're, where you are now. So uh, on my wrist, I have the Stratoliner Blue Japan Edition. Uh, Very nice. is one of my favorites at the moment, most because <laughs> it's a really unique project we did. So I'm, I really fall in love with this watch. For drink, I only have water because it's just half past one in the afternoon, so it's to drink. But I'm, I'm in charge of the kids today, so I have to. I, I'm alcohol free today, and I'm in my home office at home. Fantastic. Now, now, and what we should say, we do encourage sobriety when looking after children. That's one of the few occasions where we do encourage people to stay sober if, if they can. Or it depends on the children as well, because sometimes that could be a struggle. If your children are anything like mine. Very good. Klaus, we'll throw to you. Where, where are you? What's on the wrist? As you said, I'm in Frankfurt. Drinking, I'm on non-alcohol as well, although my children are I'm not at home anymore. They're on their own. I'm drinking inspired by the long, the long-time Fifth Wrist member Wolfgang, who is also my partner in the German language Fifth Wrist YouTube channel. I'm drinking water with a hint of lemon-flavored balsamic vinegar. <laughs> I actually bought this on my holiday in France, in the south of France. And Sounds awesome. <laughs> it tastes quite good. It tastes okay, and it is very refreshing. It is with vinegar. It's vinegar, balsamico vinegar, with okay. a hint of lemon. And you just put a couple of drops into one glass okay. uh, to make it taste a little bit better than just water because I can't stand water all day. And yeah, it's, it, 
it tastes better than it sounds. Well, it sounds pretty. It sounds pretty awful. So I hope it tastes better. Than it uh, and once again, we should say this is not an officially endorsed drink of Fifth Wrist Podcast. No, 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 it's not. No, we wouldn't advocate for that for anybody. Even people looking after children don't deserve that. But if you're enjoying it, that, that's the main thing. All right. I guess I'll go wrist, last. On my yes, wrist, go- I have a watch, for, a Flieger watch from Grenchen. Oh. Um, but it's not a Fortis, unfortunately. It's my quite old Airborne, which I really love, which, which I bought mainly because of the slide rule, actually, because I sometimes really use, or I used to use the slide rule. Currently, I don't use it anymore because I can't read it anymore without reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, the slide rule is still a, a cool feature. So that's nice. what I did put on my wrist today for to come as close to Fortis as humanly possible. Yeah, I have also a Navi timer in my collection, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all direct neighbors, so it's just 500 meters away from our headquarters. So. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I drive by that. every day. <laughs> Everybody to do. Well, if you're thinking about Breitling, just keep driving. There's, hello to our friends at Breitling, of course. I'll go last and then we can launch into it. Drink. So I'm just literally just back from holiday. So I'm still a little bit in holiday mode. So typically my drink of choice for these podcasts up is a gin and tonic. Now, unfortunately, I've run out of tonic. So all <laughs> I've got is a bottle of gin and a large mug. So I'm working my way through this. So, you know, it, this is going to be fun. I'm relatively sober at the start. We'll see where this goes. So that, I that's, think work. Yeah, that's right. If I fall asleep, just say Rolex and it'll perk me up with anger. So that's fine. Uh, um, on the wrist. So once again, I've been an admirer of Fortis for a long time. And then I've actually, I've never owned a, a Fortis watch. I've I've lusted after Fortis watches at the very start of my collecting sort of journey. Just when I was getting into it, that's how I ended up with a catalog that I was showing you before. I actually looked up the authorized dealer where I got the catalog from. I still had their thing. They no longer, not only do they not sell Fortis anymore, they've actually stopped selling watches. That's how long ago that catalog was. So <laughs> the, the jewel is still there. They gave up on the watches a long time ago. But so I was actually thinking long and hard about what would be the appropriate watch to wear. Now, I don't have a Breitling, personal reasons, because I just don't want to to have one. (laughs) But the watch I've got is from a Zurich-based watchmaker, Mr. Paul Gerber, who Ah, surprisingly, Paul Gerber comes up on this podcast a lot. The Fifth Wrist (laughs) family loves Mr. Gerber's work almost as frequently. So we talk about Paul Gerber almost as frequently as we talk about Ludwig Oxlein and the Oxen Junior crew. But the connection, you will know, Jupp, of course. Of course, I know, uh, so I know him. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gerber was involved probably in the watch that in my mind really locked me onto Fortis, which was this automatic chronograph yeah. With alarm, which is this sort of yeah. world first, yeah. I think in 1998, I want to say, but I could be wrong. Um, I can look it I'm up. Not, I'm not 100% sure, but it could be end of the 90s they had this alarm chronograph, and it's still the only chronograph with alarm function. Yeah, okay. no, yeah it was, yeah. exactly. So 1998, I, I did look it up before, so I did make some notes. Yeah. But to me, that was one of the watches, and I've still got the catalog. I've actually got the – I still think about that watch now, and – 
diving into sort of my memory banks while I was preparing for this podcast, it really brought back the memories of why I was so impressed with Fortis all those years mm-hmm. ago. In it for a small for a relatively small company, and we'll talk about this. They've always punched really much above their weight in terms of innovation, in terms of we can talk about flipper watches, which are those sort of plastic mm-hmm. watches <laughs> back in the 60s. I've always been impressed with that ability as a small brand to step forward and innovate. So when I knew we were talking, I thought, no, I'll pull Mr. Gerber's watch cool. out. And this is a Synchron, which is his automatic watch. Mm-hmm. But it just brought the innovative spirit that I wanted to touch base on with you. So that's so that's my tangential risk check, hopefully appropriate for the, for the Fortis, even yeah. though it's not a Fortis kind of thing. Location-wise, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, my home for the last 20-odd years, but it's wonderful to talk to you guys across the ocean. So that's Perfect. risk checks. That's the first bit done, which is great. So, Job, maybe good place to start. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. So tell us who you are, how you got into watches, and then we can transition to how you ended up being a fan and an owner of Fortis watches. <laughs> so if you talk about my, me personal, from business side, I'm not, of course, original from the watch industry, though I'm coming from the food and drink industry. That's why quite interesting because I don't know this vinegar drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good, the best way to be. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm not. I'm producing fruit concentrates and coloring from fruits for the food industry. So, if you talk about coloring for food, especially the red color, I'm producing from elderberries from Austria. And uh, if you see some, if you buy products like ice cream, gummy beers, Mm -hmm. drinks, all that stuff, which has the red color, it's mainly used by this or or colored with our elderberries. So. That's what I'm doing. This is a family business getting 100 years old now in, in September. I'm wow. the fourth generation. I'm doing it together with my two brothers and sister and my one sister. And this is what I'm mainly doing. This is where I'm coming from. Right. But from watch side, it all started, I think, in 2004. This is my first mechanical watch. If you're talking about mechanical watch, my first watch was, of course, when you were small, you had a swatch. Then you bought your first Tissot or whatever, uh, quartz watches. But uh, if you talk about mechanical watches, it all started in 2004 when I bought my first Fortis official cosmonaut. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And you so, still have it? I still have it in my collection. Cool. Uh, I'm still wearing it. It has a, this, it, it was a titanium uh, limited edition with a Lemania movement. Wow. And okay. I fall in love with this orange second hand. Yes. <laughs> this yes. was always my favorite, this black and white titanium watch with a with an orange second hand. This was always for me. This was a perfect match in, for, for coloring. But the, the, it begins with my brother because I bought the Fortis because my brother is uh, an uh, aircraft and engineer. Ah, so okay. He, so he, he's a pilot and he's an engineer for aircraft. He, had, he runs his own company for aircraft parts. So he, he sold the company, but before the, he produced for Airbus and all the big companies, small aluminum and titanium parts. And he, or he always told me that a real pilot wears a Fortis. This was <laughs> what, this is what he told me. Yeah, he, he bought his first Fortis, I think, in the 90s. It was a, a Flieger. So right. he always had these Flieger watches. And when you start getting interested into mechanical watches, you do the same like everybody. You ask your brother, you ask your friends, <laughs> you're talking about, and 
take some tips. Hey, what is the right choice for you? Sure. And of course, Fortis was then a brand for me in, in you can choose. And, and, and then I saw this official Cosmo note in the showroom of the shop and then I, I had to buy it. Yeah, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> And it's still working. It's quite interesting because and I never did a service. I never yes. heard about that it's, that it's necessary to have a service until I bought Fortis. They told me, hey, you have to do a service on your watch. I said, oh, really? Never heard about it. Okay. And then I brought this, my, my Cosmo note to our watchmaker. Uh, and just for information, I'm also in my hobby, I'm a drummer and I, right. I do everything with my watches. So I'm really hammering oh, wow. the watch for the, for 20 years. And then I went to the our watchmaker and say, hey, please, can you do a service then? And he gave it me back and said, hey, it's not necessary. It's still plus two seconds. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Very good. I, I only Very changed good. the gaskets. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I must confess, I've always admired that about watches like Fortis. You knew there were tool watches in the best sense of the word. They were yes. made to be used for the purpose that they were, yes. whether it was a fleet mm -hmm. for flying or Marine Master or whatever. You knew that was a solid piece of engineering in your hand. Absolutely. And, and when you buy, when you start buying mechanical watches, you want to have a robust yes. tool watch. Yes. You want to have a watch you can wear every day. You don't want to take care on it. Mm. And I mm. think this was always the identity of a brand like Fortis. Mm. Wow. So do you think we you could copyright the phrase, a real pilot wears a Fortis? Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do a copyright, but <laughs> I think we, we explain to our clients because we have a Navi timer now here on board in this talk. So I can explain, I always explain the difference between the clients, because if you have a Breitling and you turn and you go into the, you enter into the plane, you go to the right side in the business yes. class, and, it, yes. and if you have a Fortis, you turn left. Yes, <laughs> oh, very good. I like that's very good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, wow. No, it's very, yeah, that's very good. I suspect you can put that if you say you you talk to your brother who is a pilot, you can put that on the catalog. Direct quote from a pilot. You don't have to identify them. Of you course, a hundred percent of pilots we surveyed. Prefer Fortis. <laughs> that's totally also legitimate. That's, yeah. that's really good. Oh, that, that's lovely, the, the family connection. I, I have to say, when I started getting into watches, I also asked my brother what watches I should buy, and he gave me advice. And then very cleverly, he stopped caring about watches, and I've continued. So he's the smart one because he says, You should buy watches. And then he returned okay, to so normal <laughs> life, and I've so gone he crazy. saved money. <laughs> For sure, without a doubt. Without, he's actually wearing a watch that I gave him anyway. So he, he now accepts my choice of watches. So he, he's all ah, there. Cool. That's really cool. I, I like a family connection. There's always, it's a fam, it's been a family run company for a long time. We can talk about when you guys took over, because I think you took over from the Peter family. Was it the Peter family previously owned? Fortis? Actually, yes. No, it was not Peter Peter. He was just the CEO. The owner was, oh, a, okay. was, a, was, an, was an private entrepreneur from Germany, but I okay. never get know him. I always had only talks to lawyers. Are you okay? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. we, it's the be best way, I think. Hello yeah. to all the lawyers <laughs> listening. Uh, very good. All right. Then tell us maybe how, because uh, you acquired Fortis. So the Fortis Watch Company, actually, you, let's talk about the history of the Fortis Company before we talk about mm -hmm. you acquired. So started, I think, in 1912. 
with Volta. It, it was founded in 1912 by the Vogt family. That mm. was the original family, and they had still some shares until I bought the company. So there was still oh, wow. in, inside. I don't know exactly the numbers because mm -hmm. I did an asset deal, so I never bought it. But this yeah, is yeah, no, sure. stuff. So. Sure, 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 oh, sure, sure. From the history of Fortis, it's it's quite interesting because <laughs> in your introducing, it was nice explained because of the historic. The history of Fortis is amazing, what we did. Mm, it was always sure. an inno innovative company. They always did things on first like the first automatic wristwatch, the first mm. plastic watch. It Actually, the swatch is a copy of the flipper. <laughs> yes. It is yes. like this because Mr. Tomke from the swatch company, he was a friend of Mr. Vogt. He was also from Kenchen, so they know each other. Is that the right? Idea is coming, yeah. The idea yeah. is coming from the flipper watch. That, that's true. That's not yeah, yeah. Now so coming from me. This is a real, yeah, it was a real, that's a real story. The first alarm chronograph, the first chronograph in open space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the main difference to the big brands is that nobody knows about <laughs> these stories. <laughs> right. Yes, well, very, no, very and, true, very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and very Fort, true. Fortis was an expert in not telling things. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. think this was the, the, the main failure they did in the mm -hmm. past, to yeah. be honest. Don't tell the people, but if if you talk about Swiss watches, and if you everybody knows in the world that the Swiss watch is a high quality product, then Fortis was a part of it always. Mm -hmm. But I do not know what they did wrong in the past. But at the end, now this is our goal to to close the gap between these big brands. We do not want to get one of these big concerns. We want to be an independent, family owned solid sure. healthy sure. company but a small company but we want to be on the same level as a brand like Breitling, Tudor, Rolex all, yeah, the, yeah. all the big names this well, is what we know I mean, because that, we, that... Have the, we have the history for that yeah. and we have the quality for that so this is yeah. what we are now we are starting telling people the story <laughs> no, to, that, to me that's wonderful to hear I've spoken a lot on this podcast is I, I my, my passion is independent horology and that doesn't just mean guys like roger smith or christian last just one man or a woman working away yeah. i like a family brand a family owned brand or brand with a strong owner who else has a clear vision for the brand because i think to me that's the most exciting and it's funny you mentioned brightling we talked you mentioned tudor Fortis, in my mind, at some point, they were all exactly the same. I, on this podcast, I've talked about at one point, Rolex and Doxa were exactly the same. They both made tool watches. They were exactly the same price. And at some point, the Rolex, through marketing and clever innovation, went up and then Doxa plateaued. And in my mind, Fortis is very much the same. Tudor, yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Explain why it, they did miss something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did the, the wrong management or what else. I, I, I really don't know. A part of the explanation is what you said before. They didn't talk about what they did. They did maybe. it. And they were obviously maybe too humble if there's something like that. And nobody knew about it. That's certainly part of the mistake of the reason. Yeah, mm. maybe mm. this is the, the, the biggest reason of it. Yeah, for sure. How did you... How did you come to 
be interested in, in acquiring Fortis and actually moving this story <laughs> onwards in a brave <laughs> movement from fan to owner, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I, I told the story several times. It's really true. It's a real story. When I now I'm 47, and when I get 40, you start thinking about your life. You start thinking about your <laughs> business. And sure. I have a really good company which runs by itself and you really think about, is that the end? Is this what you're doing for the next 20, 25 years and then you get right. retired? <laughs> or do you want to have a new challenge? And right. then there was also the idea that I have two sons and the one company is not big enough to give it to the next generation. Ah, so I nice. said, okay, <laughs> from strategic reasons, I decided, okay, maybe it's now the time to run a second company to build it up because a family company, a healthy, solid company financed by itself takes 10 to 20 years to build up. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, sure. that's... Without otherwise, it, it's not possible. So I said, okay, now if I do it, I have to start now because now I'm 40 years old. Yeah. And then I start thinking about taking. I had some contacts, looking at some companies. I never had the idea to for the luxury industry because I'm. This is not what I'm doing. I'm B2B sure. business. This is what sure. I'm doing then. So I had a. I took. I looked at a lot of companies, but at the end, there was never a company who was really interesting was always the same boring because to be honest after 20 years of talking about strawberries it's getting boring <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not like watches you can talk about watches the whole day but not about strawberries to be right. believe me. <laughs> <laughs> just for this just one example and then i started, and then it was a, a friend who called me and he he had a company in Grenzen who produces hands for the watch for the watch industry and right. he tried to sell me this company and we made a visit in the in I know in the morning we, we drove to Grenchen and we drove by by Fortis directly on the building because the, his company was just two, 500 meters away from Fortis and right. I said oh wow this is Fortis I wrote in the newspaper I think two three weeks before that they have some problems or there right. is the possibility to they think about selling the company. Right. And, wow. and I told to my wife, hey, this would be a nice company. I love it. And, right. and she told me, yes, of course. Why you not, don't buy Fortis? This is, uh, you, you look at the, you have all the Fortis watches in your collection. Why <laughs> you don't buy the whole company instead of one watch? It, it makes more yeah, sense yeah, for wow. you. This was just kidding. But at the end, three weeks later, I'm in Grenchen and drive by the Fortis building. And then I ask my friend, hey, this is Fortis. I did not know that they are here in Grenchen. Right. Yes, and I said, hey, do we have some contacts? Yes, we are producing the hands for them. Ah, okay. Wow. And wow. Th then I said to him, okay, let's call him, make an appointment for this afternoon. Wow. And he did it. And they said, okay. And at 2 o'clock, we went to the, into the Fortis building. And I uh, had the meeting with the CEO. And I asked him just direct, is it possible to buy the company? Yes or no? And he said, yes. Wow. I said, okay, okay, let's start negotiation. <laughs> wow, you don't mess fast, but they did six months. No, it was for me, it was just, okay, give me all the balance sheets, make a project. And after, I think, six weeks, I, I wow. said to him, yes, okay, this project could work. Wow. It's wow. really interesting. And there's a lot of potential in this company. I visit the company several times, take a look at the, all the employees, because this is the most th important thing for me. 
you have to see the faces of the employees. Mm. Yes. And this is the first impression. And this is then my decision made, okay, this is a good team you can work with. Wow. What happened to the hands company of your friend? Uh, it was sold to an Indian. <laughs> he was a little bit angry about it because I did not buy his company. <laughs> but uh, at the end, we are still friends, and he sold it to a, to an Indian guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can one still existing company. We we work a little bit with them, but because we have a new supplier for hands in in Beale, this is just the next yeah. vi village. Mm away and because we changed everything when i took over the company we changed everything i think sure was, and well, also the suppliers had to be changed because of quality because there was a decision made okay we want to be high-end and sure. not low budget watches sure and for this you need also high-end suppliers yeah, yeah of course which then repositions everything because then the price has to be the price you sell the watches has to reflect the better components right so all kind yeah. of so when you took over, was that a competitive bidding war? Was there a bidding war? Were you the yes. only party interested or were there other sort of parties no, involved as well? I was not the only one. So at the end, I paid the double price from my first offer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I call a commitment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah well. But to be, yeah, it was like, I think at the end, I don't know if the price was okay at the end or not. For me, yes, because I still love what I'm doing. Sure. That's amazing. Maybe it was a little bit too high, but at the end, it was okay. It was not not overrated. Like you mm. heard, it was not like, if I heard you by Breitling, they paid 800 millions. And now no. they tried to sell it on, on the stock exchange for 4 billions. I said, okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I remember, I don't remember the, the, the figures, but the magnitude when Julius Nardin was bought by Kering yeah. for millions yeah, and then it was is... bought back from the, from the management for a fraction of the price. Yeah, they lost a lot of money, but this was not, Fortis was still a small family company with yeah. a really, a real calculation behind. So yeah. that's fine. Julius <laughs> Nardin, I have strong thoughts on that company. Another one of those companies I was really interested in as I just started getting into watches because you know they had mr hoffman who was there and he was doing some amazing stuff as well mm -hmm. ludwig oxlein was involved and how we feel about him so anyway mm -hmm. let's not even i, uh, that's I a, have that's also some some of these watches in my collection yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's another independent company but anyway let's not get yeah. sidetracked that's for next week that's when yeah. we bring you back let's let's talk about you you're much more interested so, so maybe give us an idea when you when you walked through the door at Fortis, how big was the company then and how big is the company now? Employees, numbers of watches were made? We do not we do not give any numbers, but oh, okay. when we started, there was only eight employees left. Eight? Wow. Eight, yes. Wow. So it really reduced everything. Wow. And when I took over, I started with 13. Okay. That's why it's our lucky number. We always, all pictures are made with the Friday 13 on the date disc. Yes, okay. I noticed that. And on every date disc, the 13 is an orange. Orange, yes, yeah. I noticed that as orange, well. Yes, of course. Well and that, yeah. that's because we started, I, I, I signed the contract on a Friday and we have been, and we started then with 13 uh, employees, wow. inclu including me. So there was eight employees. I've got uh, four new people I brought with me and me, of course. And together we have been 13 people. That's why it's our lucky number. <laughs> cool. Mm. 
And now I think the whole team is 35. Oh, wow. Something like okay. that, because I think 20 people fixed. Yes. And uh, 15 freelancers. We're working a lot of with freelancers. Like our movie, we're producing a lot of high quality documentation and movies for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yes, so check I out our that. YouTube channel. So everybody who hears that, please make an uh, abo on our YouTube channel. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and, and the the movie crew is from Munich, and they are of course freelancers. They are, yeah. they they are not fixed employees, but they are part of the team. So we only work with this movie team. Yeah, uh, mm. it's the same like on marketing side for our PR manager, and she's freelancer, but she's mainly working. I think like 60, 70 per, per percent just for Fortis. Though also with the designer Xavier is a freelancer, but he is part of the team. He's part of the family. Mm. Yeah. So that's mm. why I say okay, the team is thirty-five roundabout. Sure, and the yeah. YouTube channel is very good. I'll I will definitely will put a link in there. But I've certainly watched yeah. the, the number of Fortis talks that you've done. And some yeah. of them are in German, and but with English subtitles. So I've obviously enjoyed those. Really good. What I find really hearkening and why I'm really enjoying this conversation is the enthusiasm that's radiating from you when you talk <laughs> about Fortis is wonderful. Like that truly is what, and it definitely does come through, which is awesome. Yeah, that, that's why we decided to do it in German with English sublines because it's 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 more honest and more true if if I talk in German instead mm-hmm. of English. I'm. I, I can speak English, but I'm much better in German. <laughs> there are certain expressiveness. It's the same when Klaus does and Wolfgang do a fifth wrist YouTube channel in German as well. A lot of an emotion comes through German, which English doesn't really necessarily lends itself to that. And look, I grew up in the Soviet Union, so I completely understand the waving of hands and the yelling that demotes love. Yeah, English doesn't really translate that very well. <laughs> Uh, Very good. Look, let's talk about, we've talked a lot about Fortis. And once again, the history is incredible. And we can talk about John Harwood and the first automatic movement, 1926, and all that. Let's talk about Fortis now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I I found really interesting uh, is when you took over, in my mind, the old Fortis used to have too many models. The catalog was enormous. Fun to get to know as a collector, potentially. But I don't know how many, how well some of those models were selling. What I notice now is the collection is a lot more focused. Folk. Let's say. Focused, yeah. yes. So maybe let's talk about that. What sort of, what made you do that, and where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, I think this is what we did the first two years before right. we launched the, the new Flieger line. Of course, we start develop the new Flieger and then Marine Master Stratoline, etc. But of course, of the first the beginning, you have to sit down and talk about what do we want, right? And where is our spot where can we go through? Because the watch market is full of watches. Yeah. There's yeah. everything. There's nothing nobody did before. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then you think, have to think, okay, where's the spot? Where's your market? Where's the chance? Where's the old identity of Fortis you can you have you, you cannot ignore? You have to take care about, you have fans, you have to take care about them. And what do we want? <laughs> yes. We want to be proud of our brand. We want to wear these watches by ourselves. Sure. So it doesn't make sense. And the first thing, of course, is what I do not want. So I'm I don't like dress watches. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. Yes. So that's why it makes no sense for me. I love tool watches. The identity of Fortis is tool watches. 
Um, so for us, it was clear that it will go in the, into this direction. And yes, of course, we want to be a small company. It doesn't make sense to have a wide variety of thousands of watches. If it uh, sees the catalog of Omega, it's yes. thick, thick like the Bible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, that's, that's, that's not okay. No, it, we made a concept, what we want to be. And at the end, we decide, okay, yes, tool watches, yes. There are tool watches on the market. But for me, there is no brand who does tool watches in a luxury way. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is a Tudor Black Bay. Of course, there was Brightling. But Brightling is now going into lifestyle and not into tool watches in the, from the professional side. We are producing watches for professionals. So we can go this way into the luxury industry with our professional uh, way of, of, of producing. And at the end, why should it? why is it necessary? Because... I think everybody needs luxury you can really use in your daily time. Sure. This is, sure. And, and of course, there are brands taking care about that, but there is no brand making it for 100%. Right. Mm. Mm. Okay. Tudor has dress watches. Breitling going more into the lifestyle. They still have these tool watches from yes. the old times, but the new ones are much more lifestyle or vintage mm. or whatever they modern vintage, I don't know how they call it. But of course, there are many other brands. IWC. This is they, they, yes, they have pilot watches, but first of all, they are expensive. Yes. <laughs> the second sure. thing is they have Portuguese also and all that stuff, and these are just dress watches. Yes. yes. For me, it was clear. Okay, let's have the Fortis is a tool watch company, and let's make tool watches hundred percent and nothing else. So that's why we decide. Okay. We have a variety of reference numbers and now throw away, which is not going, sure. is, is inside this identity. So this was the first step we did. And then, okay, where do we want to go? And then uh, we need, okay, we, we need to develop. At the end, it was a decision. We have to develop all watches new. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have to redefine all watches new. What we also wanted to do is we have this tool watch, we have this luxury thing, but no, no brand takes really care about your personality, what kind mm. of guy you are. They only talk about watches, they talk about functions, they talk about materials, they talk about design, but nobody's talking about your personality, who you are. At least not in the tool watch sector, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we made this concept about these five families, about these five different characters. You have the Flieger, who is a really professional, uh, accurate guy. Okay. So okay. failure is not an option. <laughs> you, you have the Marine Master, have free on the weekend, do whatever you want, <laughs> holiday. Yeah. You have the Stratoliner, who is the visionary guy, who is thinking about the future, what's possible. Yes, it's, everybody says it's not possible. Yes, it is possible. The sky is no limit. Let's go there. Let's see how it works. And of course, there's coming two more collections which fulfill the rest of the personality. So this was our mainly thinking, which we normally not communicate, but this is how we, sure. we are sitting is, at home yeah. and thinking about how could it be that this function design and this all has to fit together with your personality. Okay. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, we have the sentence on the back case. I know if, yeah. if you have already read about it, it's every time it's German. Sorry, Roman. That's right. There's <laughs> language for it. The Flieger is, ohne Flieger wäre der Himmel nur Luft. Mm -hmm. So without pilot, the sky would only be air. air. Very nice. 
The like on the Marine Masters, the sentence is uh, keine Termin und den Horizont vor Augen. So in English, it's no appointment and the horizon in front. Uh, very nice. Uh, and for the Stratoliner, it's uh, der Himmel ist nicht das Ende der Welt, which means the sky is no limit. Okay. So this is from the visionary guy. So right. there's coming two more. This is a little bit how we're thinking and how we develop our watches now and making a complete package that that's great to hear i like when a watch gets designed and there is a clear concept because yeah, often there's is. a lot of luxury brands they design something because they need something yeah. with a blue dial with a 42 millimeter case in it and you go yeah photoshop <laughs> yeah, yeah but also but photoshop is one thing but also it's a, those collections come and go because nobody really loves them nobody really misses them they just yeah. do it because that's the they have to have it because I this other this, brand this, has it. Yeah. this was the first rule we made for ourselves so we do not follow trends so only because of the market needs blue watches we do not produce blue watches doesn't sure. make sense we only sure. produce blue watches if we want to have a blue watch sure sure yeah sure so that's the main uh, thing from roman i had yeah, one it's in... great to hear and, and once again it's those things where you know the, the other thing i really like is there is no clear gender to your watches mm. you don't yeah, talk it about make sense yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honest. I like some of your watches are available, same model in 39 millimeter case and a 41 millimeter case, but you don't specify men's or women's. You just, the yeah, watch I kind of it, stands on itself. Yeah, which is great. It does not make sense. I think at the end, we produce watches in different sizes and for different characters. So you have to decide what kind of character do you have, what's your personality, and what kind of size do you need? Mm. And then you can start talking. Very cool. So I prepared uh, one question, Roman, which I would like to ask now because you partly answered it already, Jupp. Uh, <laughs> Fine. Um, nice. Based around the, but only partly, based around the Stratoliner, which is to me, it's the kind of archetype of watch which I did not like when I saw it on the screen. Oh, but interesting. I, but yeah. when I had it on my wrist, it was completely opposite. Yeah. And uh, to me, part of that reason is the design is very without any compromise. It's uh, my words is the dial is quite like a screen, quite flat. Then you've got this metal bracelet with no integration, which some people say, oh, no integration. How can they do that? And what I'm interested in is how is that decision process? Did you have to convince people or did people have to convince you? This watch is certainly not um, mainstream, to put it that way. Yeah. And it needs balls to say, I will build that watch. Because it's quite different from others. It's especially that, that bracelet, which I thought on the pictures, hmm, I'm not sure. When I had it on my wrist, I, it, it immediately became clear to me. I couldn't say why, but suddenly, oh yeah, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. How did you decide that? So, first of all, this is what I hear really often, that they said, I saw it on the pictures and I did not like it. And then I saw it on my wrist and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I expected. And this is what I'm hoping to, that a lot of people will take it on the wrist just to try it and see how perfect this watch is. Because mm -hmm. there are so many details inside this watch. You can only see live. You can, we are not able to do renderings or photographs pictures to show it it's mm. you don't know how it's not possible but at the end first of all it it's all about my personal 
character or personality, I love to be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if somebody says, please don't do it, I, I think I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> or if somebody said that's not possible, I will try to make it happen. <laughs> that's that's a part of me personally. Okay. But at the end, so the, the Stratoliner, it was always this idea about this visionary thinking, let's make things happen, which people say it's not possible. And then we start, we, we had a friend who bought a ticket for Virgin Galactic. Oh, yes. In, ah. two, in, in 2001, he bought his ticket already. And he's wow. waiting for his flight now <laughs> since over 20 years. And he asked me, if he should take some Fortis watches with him to space and we sell it then for a charity thing. Ah, okay. program. Nice. I said, yes, why not? It's a nice idea. Always for things. I'm always open for ideas like that. Uh, and then it took so much time. Then I asked him, hey, you're waiting for so long time. In this time, I can produce a completely new watch for you <laughs> just for your trip. And sure. everybody told me, hey, that's completely stupid. You produce a watch for a, for a three-hour trip, and that's all the watch is able to show. I don't know why you're doing it, because, yeah, because I love the idea. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and then we started, okay, we said, okay, it's it has to, it's, this watch is only for his flight to space and back, and takes around about three hours. He gave us the contact to the chief pilot of Virgin. We had a direct talk to the pilot he helped us he explained us exactly how the flight will work and then we had this briefing and then we start developing this design and the idea was always reduce it to the minimum right as much less as possible so mm. this is just a flat dial with a little bit stardust on it <laughs> And then integrated the measuring function of this space flight. That's all of this watch. And for this, we created a completely new case design with this rubber inlay, which we call the orbit bezel. Uh, we created this completely new dial, this, this half rings, which is the the, the measuring of mm. the space flights because it's three steps. That's why you have three parts of Luminova inside. With mm-hmm. the, with the gluing second hand just to me- measure these three straps on the flight. And for this, we also developed a completely new chronograph movement, which was space tested. So we had this test on the movement in the stratosphere in, 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 in 2021. And in 2022, we had a rocket test. So we've been to space last year with these movements and this watch. We had uh, 280 kilometers in wow. up there with, an, with, a, with a rocket with 6,700 kmh, 12.8 G vibration, all that stuff. And so we had a lot of testing with this movement. So you have a, on the Stratoliner, you have now a space proven movement. You have a completely new case design. You have a completely new uh, dial function. And of course, that's why we decided for the endings. Because everybody criticized the endlings and said, that's why we did it. Because there was everything new. We should not use integrated endlings. <laughs> Do it straight. <laughs> very good. I like the contrarian spirit. Very good. Uh, very good. And if I think visionaries want some unique stuff. They do not want to have the mm-hmm. next black submariner on their wrist. They yeah, already exactly. have it in their collection. Visionaries want to have something new. Nobody, nobody else has it. Yeah. And that's why the Strato learner has to be different. 
and that's why I love it so much. <laughs> I'm not much of a chronograph guy, by, but I appreciate a nice design and a unique perspective and certainly having something that has those three different gradations and indications of the three different stages, like a 90-second boost phase and something. And like yeah. The number of people I know who genuinely use chronographs to time stuff is very little. People like to wear them. They yeah, don't really use them. Course. So having an interesting chronograph that actually has a point to make actually quite a cool thing. That would, would be it's, if I, I had have, a going of, yeah. We, we have so much clients visiting us. And when I ask, do you, are you a collector? Yes, I'm a watch enthusiast and I'm a collector. And I said, then I ask, okay, what's your favorite watch? What kind of function do you really like? Oh, I want this watch with these big pushers. (laughs) (laughs) But they even don't know for what the pushers are, but they love it. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm always, I don't really care much for Chronographs, but I always, I am always baffled by Daytona owners who have screw down Mm -hmm. pushers. So it's a sort of push Mm -hmm. you can't even use until, and uh, to me, that's by the time you unscrew them, the thing you want to time is gone. But it looks it cool. Is. It's cool, looks cool, and it's up to us. So the Stradaline... Yeah, to, to, to be honest, nobody buys a watch. I, I think Correct. we all buy Correct. watches because we love it, because of the Correct. emotions. If you want to read the time, hey, take your iPhone. <laughs> Correct. So I fully agree. I will be the first to say people should buy mechanical watches for the ingenuity and engineering. Don't worry about the timekeeper. It has to keep time, and the watch certified chrome is great. But it's the romance of the mechanical parts all moving together. Yeah. I I use my chronograph regularly, especially when I say take the bike to town or something and I want to know how long it takes. I start the chronograph, I drive with the bike to town, I go shopping, I come out of the shop and say, oh, I forgot to stop the chronograph. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, it happens. But I compare it a lot, mostly with a a VH engine in a car. You don't need it, but you love it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It makes a noise and it it, it keeps you alive. No, totally totally agree. I was going to ask you about the movements in your watches because I know in the past a lot of, I think all Fortis chronographs, except for the limited edition Lamania one, you Use the the Valjoux 7750. Used to be the the yeah. standard chronograph. Now, I know you had a partnership with Kinesi, and I think you mm-hmm. did some uh, watches with Leisure Parade as well. Maybe tell us what's ticking inside the Fortis watches now. Like what? Yeah, so the strategy was always, of course, we do not work with Ether anymore because they do not work with anybody. Yes, we are working now, of course, with Elite because they're just these are the same movements, the same quality. Sure. There's no problem. And we have this strategy of, okay, there's two different kinds okay. of watches. They are, or clients. Now, they are the clients who want the robust movement used for the last 30 years, which sure. is tested 100%. Every watchmaker in the world can repair it. So if you're in Tokyo or in Peking or in New York, you can go to the next watchmaker, make a repairment, and it's working again. Yep, that's yep. me. And they don't take care about luxury or exclusivity or something else. They just want a working horse. Yep, that's me. Yeah. And for this, I think Celita is the best decision you can make, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then you have clients who want something more exclusive, something more extravagant, also working horses, also high end. Of course, they have a higher price level. Sure, but this is what you 
it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I sure, cannot no, change no, it. I understand. No, no, totally. Uh, I understand. This is more the exclusive way. I think for me, I'm the guy, I have both. I'm wearing the Zelita watches the same like Hennessy or La Juperie. But I see, yes, of course, sometimes you need, ah, today I want something exclusive, something high end. You take a choose for the manufacture movement. Sure. So with Kennedy and La Juperie, we are working for manufacture movements. So they produce movements for us just in our way. We want to have it. Of course, there's not a big difference, but we have your own finishing and some little details change. Sure. And for this, we are working with Kennedy, which is the, the daughter company of Tudor and Chanel and with La Jouperie, which is a small movement company in La Chaux-de-Fonds. Mm. And they have, they've been really open to develop this new Werksitzen for the Stratoliner. Right. Okay. And that's what was a really fun to work with them because sometimes the movement producers are not so open for new things or new ideas. Sure. It's, it's, sure. The whole watch industry, to be honest, is a little bit sleepy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. uh, and uh, La Jouperie, they have been really open for the new idea because we came with this idea of this space movement for the future. And that was from the first minute, it was, yes, let's do it. This sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. so we started to develop this Werk 17. Yeah. So do you think that's the strategy for you at Fortis moving forward? So that the Strata liner will have the Le Jouperie, the basic... Flieger and Marine Master will have the... Could, could the be an option. We, we also think about, okay, let's... It depends on how the market is working for the future. Okay. There's a big change now. We are thinking about, okay, do we produce more of the high quality? Or, or not high oh, quality. I see. It's, it's absolutely wrong name. More the high end, more the exclusive. Yeah, watch, no, I understand. So exclusive, yeah, more yeah. Into the mass, uh, into the yes. uh, standard yes. production. But this depends on the market. I think... The brand has fans. Sure. They are used for this working standard movements. And I think we have to fulfill these needs of the fan. Mm. On the otherwise, we have to be a high-end brand. And for this, we need these exclusive things. So sure. it's yes. always... Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a tricky balance. It is, and that's it's why I was asking. Balance. It's a tricky balance. Uh, sure. But I think it's possible to go both ways, but... We will see what the future brings. Sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's no glass. Yeah, though. of course. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're approaching it in exactly the right way. I think it's that sort of go, you offer the choice and then you see where the which way the clients and the collectors go. And yeah, they at, probably at the end, but We cannot hide our history and the past is the past and we have to take care about And there is the old fan is used mm. for this, for these watches and, but yes, we want to have also this kind of clients sure. going more into the high, like the IWC, why you're buying a big pilot. Yes, it's not yes. better than all the other pilot watches. It looks awesome, of course. It's an awesome watch, but where's the difference? And they pay six, eight thousand for it. Yes, of course. There is a need, huh? there is an idea behind why they do it. And I love that also. This is it's all about these emotional things. I do not want to produce only pff, cheap tool watches. It doesn't make sense for me. This is not what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes what, sense. What I love on watches. Yeah, no, that yeah. that makes perfect sense to me. I One of the questions I had was, do you guys still look after the old watches? So somebody has a Fortis watch from a while ago. Yeah, Can you course. still serve, service them and continue I, that? I, 
Yeah, that's no problem. I cannot guarantee for all reference numbers, to be honest, because when I took over the company, it, it was really absolutely chaos. There was no computer system, really all plans was on paper. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So it's, and we have our old watchmaker still, and he's able to repair everything. But if we do not have the parts, I even don't know what which supplier produced these oh, dials wow. or hands, and I do not have technical plans. But we are really working on it. And we, we did a plan, so what kind of reverences we want to guarantee spare parts for the future and what not. So I think for the for the, the best sellers, like the Flieger 595 or something like that, Cosmonauts. Yes. I think we have to be able to repair it. Oh, if good. It, if, yeah, it, sure. if it is a limited edition of 50 pieces. Sure. If there are no spare parts, I cannot buy them. It doesn't make sense because... Yeah, I understand, of course. It's all a course. quite a, a individual, complicated decision you have to make. But in general, we try to service all the old watches for the future. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. That That's really yeah. wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners who are looking at their wrists now, particularly the Cosmonaut watches, which I'm sure was the biggest bestseller by far in the yeah, old the B42s. Yeah. I'm sure they're very happy to hear that. I guess I was going to ask about that sort of the history of partnering with the the space exploration stuff. There was obviously the partnership with the Russian Roscosmos, mm-hmm. the Russian Space Agency. I know you did stuff with, I think, the Austrian Space Agency around the Mars program, I think back in about 2018 or so. And there was a whole number of things. Is that something you would still continue to... Yes, of course. Of course, the Russian thing is history. We started already in 2019, I think, because for me, this was not the future. The future for me is Mars. We want to be the first watch on Mars. That's that's the goal for the future. That's the vision. And of course, we are working now with the Swedish Space Center. Okay. This is the, the biggest rocket launch area in Europe. So it's the official European space area. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and we are working, of course, with the Austrian Space Forum. They are in charge of developing the suit for the future Mars ah, astronauts. So there are four companies or four forums or uh, who are in charge. They are developing the suit, and the Austrians are one of, of them. And cool. we are working with them directly. We have these Amade missions. Yes, uh, Amade, that's the word. Amade, this was though the first mission was Mars 500. I don't, I think it was 2012. This was not with the Austrians, it was with a a different organization. I do not know. And then it was 2018 in the desert of Oman, it was 2020 in the desert of Israel. And the next mission will be in Armenia in 24. So, we are on board, of course, again. And there's we try to develop this Mars watch. And it was the Swedish Space Center, we developed this space proofness. Oh, okay. Cool. So with the Swedish Space Center, they are located in Kiruna, which is the north, the most northern town in Europe, I think. Okay. <laughs> it's quite yeah. <laughs> above yeah. and it's really Quite cold yeah. it's a nice area and, and we, we did there we did the test in the stratosphere with the Werk 17 with the balloon okay oh, uh, yeah, cool. and, and there we did the rocket test last year 
And now we are developing a machine to simulate space in Grenchen. Because I said I cannot send a rocket every week to space. It's too expensive. Yes, yes. No, fair enough. <laughs> I, need, yeah, fair I, need, enough. I, need, I need to simulate space. And now we know exactly how the space trip is working. Sure. And now we try to develop this machine to simulate space in Grenchen. So all watches should be space proven. It doesn't matter if, if it's a Marine Master, Flieger, Stratoliner <laughs> or what else coming for the future should be space proven. Oh, oh, yeah, totally. Uh, no, that, that that's great to hear. Uh, the reason I'm asking is I remember reading about the Amity 18 watch. I think it was on Fratello Watches. I, I think mm-hmm. Robert Yarn, I think, might yeah. have done a review in 2020, I want to say, or something like that. I really like that watch. So it's like an orange, like it was just beautifully designed Amity 18 mission watch. So hearing about the program, now that I'm firmly back in the Fortis saddle, this is really good. This is something to look forward to. I can start saving up. This is good. I can get back into the swing of things. And, and, at, I like yeah, and at the end, the main identity of Fortis for the future should be space. Oh, great. No, it's awesome to hear because, yeah. once again, my when I got into the brand was very much the B-42, the Cosmonaut watch through the Soviet connection. I almost programmed genetically to that watch. It was inescapable at some point. The other thing I also really liked, and we should mention at some point, is the other cool thing Fortis used to do with this, the limited edition art watches, like the Rolf Sachs watch, the one that was the one with the math symbols. I loved that watch when I was at high school. That was I could never afford it. It was such a cool watch. All the different numerals were that. different. Such a cool watch. There's, the more you dig through the history, just so much cool stuff was happening. It's just so it's yeah, really exciting. That's one, that's one of these things. I really love these Rolf Sachs watches and also these Andorra watches, all these artist things. Yes. But this was one of these things we decided, hey, are we an artist brand or yeah, yeah, are I get we it. a tool watch? Totally so get it. we had to make this. Sometimes you have to make a decision what you don't which you don't like, but you have to make this decision. Yeah, look, we I decided for the f- future we are not an artist brand, mm-hmm. so we don't do artist watches for the future. Yeah, brand design is also a, a thing of what don't you do, which things which you may want to do, but you deliberately don't do them, is yeah. a big part of brand design. I think as an entrepreneur, you say more no than yes. Sure, <laughs> as you should do, yeah. yeah. But I think... I guess you're approaching it in a really sensible way. The thing is, mm-hmm. if you've got a flourishing brand which is established and doing well, you can go and do crazy stuff and you will have a collector base that will follow, right? It's just if yes. you only do crazy stuff and don't tell people about it, then you're going to run into trouble because if nobody knows yes. what you're doing and you're sp- wasting is- your energy doing too many things, that's mm-hmm. maybe the problem. That's what they did. I think the main thing that they tried to sell watches, and this is also one of the big mistakes. You do not have to try sell watches. You have to build up a brand. I agree. Okay, that's the most important yeah. thing. Yeah, I agree. So, not so, to just sell watches. Yes. Yeah, so on that strategy, though, in terms of selling watches, another thing we, when we often because we we talk about on this podcast mainly to indie watch companies. And I'm always curious, how do you, how do they reach their collectors? Is it mm-hmm. selling by yourself? Is it through a network of authorized agents? What's the strategy? What do you think is working well for you guys? Or what's the plan? For me, of course, to sell the watches, we're going classic, of course, because of history, because there have been the context like Japan, we have a distributor who buys the watches and he brings it to the shops and he does whatever he wants. <laughs> that great. This is a contact working since the 60s, so you don't stop that. 
Yeah, of course. In Germany, we stopped this distribution system. We try to work directly with the retail stores because I want to have a direct contact to the jewelry shops and I want to have a direct feedback yeah. because they know the market, they know the clients, and I want to have this feedback. Uh, but, still, course, but still, you're counting on real shops. Yes, I'm, I'm 100% sure the, the world is a mixture of everything. Mm -hmm. So we have the classic way of distributor, which we try to reduce. But if there is an existing contact, I will not stop this. Sure. Uh, but in Germany, there was nothing. So we started to work directly with the retail shops because I think at the end, you need to try a watch mm -hmm. first before you buy it. Sure. You, yeah, um, and of course we do the same with USA. We do the same with, with Great Britain, and I think this is, will be our main markets. Uh, so directly to the shops, directly to the client with your web shop. So a web shop, I think, is a must. Yeah. Yes. In these sure. times. Sure. Can, sure. Can I, do, do you reveal the percentage of how you, much you sell with brick and mortar and how much on on the web? It's quite hard to explain. Because by our web shop makes, I think, 10 to 15 percent now at the moment, but I do not know what's in the future. Mm, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. But of course, on our retail client side, all our retail stores has all, oh. also a web shop. So of I course. do not know how they much they sell through their web shop or through yeah. their yeah. retail store. Right. So it's quite hard because I think the future will be, everybody knows, I think we do not have to explain that the internet is here. It's <laughs> sure, it's, yes, it's yes. living it. There are still some guys out there who thinks no. <laughs> Who's internet? Never heard of it. But I think you have to be there. And also our marketing is, is digital. Mm -hmm. We do not do print anymore. It doesn't oh, make okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, and I, for me, more the, the, the thing is to be on front so from marketing side we only the fairs we only do b2c so business to client we yeah. do not do b2b fairs like the basel world in the past mm. yeah do, interesting do watches and wonders and, wonders and all that with, i want to see the clients i want to have direct contact that's why we are on the watch time at Düsseldorf, which is for me one of the best fairs so you can talk the whole day to your clients and see how they feel and what they are thinking about. And this mm. is much more, that's much better for us. So this is a direct contact is, I, th I think, the way to sell watches in the future. Maybe they go from the fair and go to the retail store and buy there. But at the end, it all starts with the direct contact. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Is there a... No, that's actually where, where I met Christiane. And where we did set up all that yeah. podcast because I met, met her, her in, Frankfurt. in Frankfurt at the watch um, yeah. exhibition. I love yeah. these small watch exhibitions. They're really great. Yeah, I'm not sure whether they pay off, but I, as a consumer, as an enthusiast, I really love those shows. And for me, this is the future of fairs. This mm -hmm. is a thing I want to do much more of this. I know it takes a lot of time from my side, but at the end, it's much more effective. I think now in Germany, we are quite good with our brand building. And this all has to be with the fairs we did. Yeah. With right. the contact. Is there a retailer in my part of the world, Australia? Because I know they used to be. That's where I got the catalog, we, but they no longer do. We, no, no, we, we had one, but we, we stopped working together, I think, two, right. three years ago. Okay. We are looking for retail stores. So if you know anybody who wants 
to sell watches, just call us. <laughs> no problem. Send, send me some watches. I'll distribute them out. <laughs> easy, easy. Easy, easy. The tricky part, I think, the tricky part is you need – if you're selling through shops or whatever, you need like an evangelist, like a salesperson who actually loves the thing you do and tells everybody about it. Because the big risk I see with small brands who go into boutiques is if the sales force is not educated, you might as well not have the brand because they're not going to actually yeah, show it. Main problems. So we try yeah. to find retail stores. And this is, I think, the, the goal for the next one, two years to build up a, a retail store to build up a, a shop concept and, 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 and to sell watches to be so the people can try. But for this, we need people enthusiasts. For sure, for 100%, 100%. If they're just a salesperson, mm. yes, we have it in black and yes, we have it in blue. <laughs> no, that's not enough. So well, that's wouldn't... quite hard. That's a, that's the toughest thing, I think, in this business to build up retail stores. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because it's a long relationship. People. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you know anybody, hey, let's go. <laughs> call let's, us. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, let let's talk off mic, and we can. I'm sure we can try. <laughs> we can find people. That's right. The other thing I was going to ask. I'm glad we talked about the small fest because I absolutely agree. For me, as a collector of indie watches, that is the most exciting thing. Being able to talk to the founder or somebody who's passionate about what they're making. Mm -hmm. The watches sell themselves, and Klaus will attest the number of watches I now own after having spoken to brand owners on these podcasts is just my <laughs> wife doesn't want to hear how many. We don't need to discuss. But the, I keep falling in love with podcast guests about what they do because you hear the passion, the, mm -hmm. the heart and soul that goes into the product, and that's you need that close connection. So that's very exciting. The other thing I was going to ask is, do you work with collector groups? I know in the past, you know, Fortis did a lot of work with squadrons. They would make Flieger watches for particular pilot groups, pilot squadrons and things. Yeah. Is that something you guys do now? Obviously not squadrons, but collector groups or societies yeah. or pilots? We, we, we still work with squadrons, of course. We are working with these collector groups like, like the Red Bar, yeah, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so, but we are doing events. We do not produce a special Red Bar watch or something like that. If they ask, we can do, of course. But at the moment, we are working now to organize some events. So we had some, one event in Austria. Sure, we, sure. We, are, we will do next week in Chicago with Red the Bar. Some, on the wind-up? Yeah, we are, we are on the wind-up fairs in Chicago. And the evening before, we're doing something with the Red Bar. Okay, the cool. Steakhouse have sure. some drinks and nice food and talking about watches. And uh, this is what we, how we work with collecting groups. Also with the Unratgeber in, in, in Germany, the sure. YouTuber, he has a community. So we organize events with these right. groups together. Yeah. Do you see your Fortis doing sort of special edition watches for collector groups in future? Just asking. Or is that too much Everything is possible. It all depends on the quantities. Of course. And this is, I think, the problem because if you just order 10 watches, it's quite complicated. Uh, yeah, of course. I understand. And of course. Of it's course. not complicated. It's really expensive. And yeah, then, of course. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. It, makes sense. Then sure. it doesn't make sense. But at the end, we are open for everything. You can cool. ask and we can talk. Really? I know that's great to hear. It's the fact that you're engaging with collector groups, whether it's through events or whatever, I think that's wonderful to hear. So always yeah. nice to see a, a independent watch brand that actually is active and enthusiastic and reaching out to their yeah. 
the best. So that's the exciting thing to hear. So maybe what's the future like for the next, let's say, two years or five years or whatever, however far you plan? What's the, what are the things you can talk about that, or okay. the secrets so as well? We can, we can we're take still both. working on building up the brand. So as I told you, there will be five collections. So yep. in autumn, there will be a big launch. So oh, that's exciting. Right. <laughs> uh, October 13. And that's so 13. Very there's nicely come, done. Nicely done. There's something big on the sky. And of course, there's something still to, I think at end of 24, we finished making this brand package. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, going on and doing really cool and funny things. Cool. There's a lot of, I think this, it's, ne it's never stopping building up a brand. I'm sure. Yeah, you always have to keep on. But I think at the end, the picture of Fortis, the identity is in 24, it's ready. And the people will more understand, I think, about this personality thing I explained at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to take your time, not just come with one big shot and then nobody's talking about. Take your time. Yeah, definitely. Do it step definitely. Step. And then, of course, it's building up the retail stores and the, and the store concept we need for the future. And yeah, this is what we what we have for the future. There will, there will come a lot of cool, nice things. I can't believe me. <laughs> for sure, that's good, that, that's good okay. to hear. I like a few teasers. That's always good to tease tease what's coming. Okay. Fingers we're, crossed. We're so everything is ready. We are developing now the models for 26. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's you, amazing. Are I you mean, planning to go to space at some stage? No. With your watch on, <laughs> on your wrist? No, I'm, not, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there, there, there's, there is enough adventurers out there. There's not. There's fewer people who can run an independent watch company. So I'd rather you stay on the ground and do the job. There. We, we've got enough people to send to space. That's very cool. Look, thank you so much for joining us. For me, this has been a really wonderful opportunity to A, meet you, but also hear the Fortis is on the move again, which is great. So now I've certainly re-engaged with the brand through nostalgia the last week, but now actually looking forward to what you're doing. So thank you so much, Jup. It's been awesome to hear what you've been up to and thank you for all your efforts. Really cool. Thanks. Thanks thank a you. lot. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> like always. Beautiful. Look, the last thing we always say is, and once again, we'll, of course, link up all the cool things and all the links to everything. But the last thing we usually say is we set this up as a platform for enthusiasts and by enthusiasts. If you want to contribute, join us, write reviews or come on the podcast and if you get in touch, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and the website, The Drill. We've got a Slack group and Discord. Apparently, I haven't used it very much, but apparently it's there and it's active. Like subscribe to the podcast. Follow me. I'm at Times Roman. You, my heroic co-host Klaus is at Tapier underscore FFM. And our wonderful guest today is best to be followed at Fortis Watches or his personal account. Actually, I should have asked whether you want us to tell people about your personal account. Of course, you can follow right. me. Beautiful. It's, so at Jump, it's quite easy to find. Yep. <laughs> Very good. And definitely check out the Fortis website, which is www.fortis-swiss.com. Jump, thanks so much for joining us. And as we always say, stay on time. Thank you. <laughs>